And welcome to episode 59 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. It is Jason Martinez alongside Russ Cohen at Sportsology on Twitter, sportsology.com. And yet, yeah, Russ, this is two episodes uh, in quick order. Yeah, this is the quickest we've ever done. It's, I mean, who knew all you had to do is lose your job? I know. Geez, and I, I'm so happy that everybody is listening to the pod, and that's great. And, and they're happy that we're doing two so close together. And maybe this is, as Doug Peterson said on the Steps of the Art Museum, this is the new norm. Oh, don't use that phraseology because it hasn't worked out for the Eagles. It might not work out for us. Well, we're, we're different. <laughs> yes, we are. We um, are different. Now, we did get, uh, I put out a solicit on Twitter for Twitter questions, so we'll get to some of them. And we have a very special guest this time, Russ, and i got to congratulate you for procuring the guest. Who do you got for us? Jim Boomer Gordon of uh, SiriusXM. Yeah, he and I go way back. I mean, I, I had to try out for uh, SiriusXM a long time ago just to be on a show, and that happened. And uh, in studio, I got to know him, and then I was in studio a few more times. And so, yeah, it was very nice that he agreed to come on the show because – he really shoots from the hip. I really uh, appreciate him. Yeah, and, he, and he's a guy that's very knowledgeable as well. So we're looking yeah. forward to having uh, Boomer on the show uh, today. I've actually done a couple, as you have, a couple of uh, appearances on his show, when it's, uh, in particular when he was with Scott Lachlan on the power play. Yeah. But I digress. Um, we'll get to some Twitter questions coming up. And one of the things we'll talk to Boomer about, and, and we'll save it for when he comes on, is obviously the big news that came out of the Great White North with Don Cherry. Uh, being fired from Sportsnet after, I think, 38 years, I want to say. It was a fixture up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll kind of get Boomer's thoughts on that, and we'll get to all that storyline surrounding grapes, which I think is pretty interesting. And I was listening to Boomer yesterday. He had a great line about it, and, and we'll get him to kind of recant that coming up okay. and also look at the league as a whole. But, Russ, um, before we get to Boomer, let's get to a couple of things, some uh, important business here, because something happened this weekend, and something has happened so far this season that I don't know that anybody – predicted would have predicted or could have predicted and that's two things one that the flyers have a a record north of 500 in shootouts number mm-hmm. one and number two that they went back to back against two elite teams in the atlantic division this weekend gave up a two goal lead in both games got it to an overtime and then a shootout and won both games and both teams were laying in wait which surprises you the most out of all those statements that i just made the shootout wins. I mean, that, that one. I mean, I could give you the negative side to the overtime wins, and that's at the end of the year. You wish you would have won more games of regulation if you start piling up overtime wins. We saw that in the Dave Haxtell era. Well, yeah, certainly the, that's one of the regulation and overtime wins is one of the, the tiebreakers. Yeah. Um, but, but as you look right now, and I mean, to me, the most impressive thing that I saw was the fact that you beat the Maple Leafs a week after you went to overtime in an 11-round shootout and lost them. That was nice. Marner mm-hmm. gets lost in that game, and maybe that helped if mm-hmm. we're going to be really cynical. But the fact that you went into Boston, a team that had not lost in regulation on their home ice yet, I think they had a record of 6-0-1, mm-hmm. um, and you blew that two-goal lead. And, and you can understand why, because they're tired. They played in overtime and shootout the night before, and the Bruins were laying there waiting for the Flyers. But to somehow have the resolve to come out of that game with two points, and then you couple it with the fact that Joel Farabee in that shootout looked seasoned beyond his years, was mm-hmm. calm, and that what it may not look like a super sexy move that he pulled there, but it's extremely efficient because he was decisive. Yeah, no, he was decisive. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He, look, he, he's got all the confidence in the world. 
I, I just hope that it, it could carry through for him and he doesn't get too frustrated offensively. I like that he does all the little things, don't get me wrong, but I, I've seen the other side with uh, prospects. But as a whole, the team, look, they play a better brand of hockey than they did under Hackstall. I mean, they back-check, they, they definitely look for stretch passes, they definitely have better offensive moments, but I still can't tell you I'm sold that they're a guaranteed playoff team or think that they're really more than a 500 team. This is a hot moment for them, and, they're, and they do look really good. They still have big problems on the blue line, and, and Philippe Myers is not one of them. Like he's he's done no, really well, yeah. but you know we could talk about Gostaspier for a whole episode, but won't. But but they have other issues on that blue line, and so like I'm not completely sold, but yeah, they're playing better hockey. Yeah, that's there's two things, and and I totally agree with you. Is one that well, this is a team that has played really good hockey for chunks and periods of time the last five years. Mm-hmm. They they they're a team that's always been able to get hot that the question was did they need to get really hot to get back into the mix for the playoffs did they need to get really hot and then just have it falter away it it, can it be different this year and more sustainable and more so because of the coaching staff uh it could be but i worry about a little bit of their age and also a little bit about some of those veterans tuning out at certain times in the years when maybe they're starting to hit a wall a bit. I, I think Braun could be one of those guys that hits a wall at some point. Uh, I don't think Niskanen will, and I think Niskanen's done really well. I don't want to say this is the Matt Niskanen of old, because the Matt Niskanen of old used to score like 40, 50 points, right? Yeah. He's not going to do that. But defensively, he's been terrific, and he's been exactly what Provorov needs. Provorov's done really well. I am still don't think he's completely passed last year where – I don't think he was where he was two years ago yet. I'm not there yet with him. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think he's shown he's been better than he was overall last year and a bit more consistent, but you're still seeing some of those mistakes, and it seems like the handle is a mistake sometimes with him. I don't know if his stick is too long, Russ, or if he needs to go from, I don't know if he uses a true stick or Bauer, uh, maybe he needs to pick up a CCM twig. You know, <laughs> you know that's my favorite not, brand. So I know, but it's not that far fetched because I remember I can give a story two years ago. I think it was when we it was it was uh, in camp. We um, we were sitting by Sam Moran's locker, and he was sitting next to somebody else's locker, and we all kind of noticed around the same time that Moran's stick was much like the same was pretty much the same size as like a Provorov. And, you know, we said to him, we said, hey, Sam, do you know you could have a longer stick? And he was like, what do you mean? And we were like, all you got to do is petition the league. You're a bigger guy. You could have a stick that matches your frame. And he goes, oh. And we were <laughs> like, yeah, talk talk to your people about that. So you yeah. never know. I mean, it could be something like that. I mean, there have been wacky stories like in baseball where all a guy needed was glasses, right? I'm struggling. I don't know what it is. I'm struggling. Puts glasses on. Oh, wait, I'm not struggling anymore. Like, so I can't say that that's laughable. I, you know, it's could be true it's odd because it's sometimes it is the most obvious thing in the world we try yeah. to complicate things um russ after we get to to jim boomer gordon i, I want to go around the league because you know the nhl records sometimes can be confusing because mm-hmm. of the overtime loss and we tend to not count that as a loss even though it is a loss right right so you see teams you go well they're over nhl 500 but when you really do the math they could be under NHL 500. 
So uh, we're going to get into some of those teams. Like you look at a team like the Devils, just for example, before we even we're going to have this conversation before we have the conversation. But they played 16 games. They're five, seven, and four. So you go, okay, well they're two games under 500. That's not that bad. But if you really look at it, they've won five hockey games of 16. So they've lost 11. Right. Is it time it's, to reform the stupid loser point? It is, and and I was talking about this on another show today. I just, you know, you look at the Panthers, it's the same thing. They have a winning record, but it's like, I don't know, 8-5-5 and five or 8-7. Eight, 8-4-5, eight, and five, yeah. 8-4-5. and five. That's lousy to me. Because yep. to me, my brain goes, that's a losing record. But in the NHL, it doesn't look so bad because you're getting these loser points, and it's like all of a sudden, you're being rewarded for mediocrity. And coaches, and, and this is where I'll get into it with you later, but coaches have really figured out how to exploit this system and I think it fools the fans sometimes. I do. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think coaches oftentimes go, if they're playing uh, an opponent, opponent that they're inferior to, will go, okay, let me just get it to overtime. Let me just grab right. this loser point, And then we'll roll the dice, even though they end up losing half the time. And you look at a team like Florida, it's a great point you bring up. They've played 17 games. They've, they have five overtime losses. Yeah. They have three over shootout losses. That's a yeah. team with Barkov on it and Bobrovsky. And they're yeah. two and three in the shootout. Yeah, so to me, it's still lousy. That's the way my brain works. Yeah, you and you and I both. And, you know, uh, you, you look at a team like the Capitals. They're 13, two, and four. So really, I, mean, I want to stop that. Hold on. I, I, I want to say I would hope that I'm smarter than you, but all right, if I'm not, whatever. Yeah, well, I'm unemployed, so that wouldn't be a big stretch right now. <laughs> but but again, I look at a team like the Penguins. They've played 17 games. They're 10-6-1, and one, so they don't fit the example real well. So in essence, they're 10-7. and seven. The right. Flyers have five losses uh, in regulation, but two overtime losses. So they're essentially 10-7 and, and seven as well. Right. And right now, yeah. oddly enough, they sit in the third spot in the Metropolitan Division after what was a shaky start. All right, Russ, so the rest of this division as well, you look at the Islanders, and boy, they have been outrageous. Are you surprised by the start of the Islanders? 12-3-1? I have to say yes, because I feel like they have less offense than last year, and they're getting better results. So, yes, it's it's the Barry Trotz factor, and you know they, we saw what they did against the Flyers. They stand up the teams at the blue line, and, and they prevent chances, and they try and be opportunistic on on offense and score on chances. They're not a high-scoring team, and yet they're getting great results. My my big questions down the line are, can you do this past a round in the playoffs like this? Is Lou Lamarillo going to get him scoring help? Because I don't know. I mean, I, it's not like I don't believe in Barrett Trotz. It's just I don't know if you could run this like this and for that many games. That That's what I sort of question. Yeah, is this sustainable? Um, real quick, too. Um, by the way, Jim Boomer Gordon, unfortunately, is not going to be able to join us on this episode. Some tepa, uh, some technical difficulties. So we'll get we'll get Boomer down the road. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But um, we have a lot to get to here anyway, and we'll get the Twitter questions coming up. Um, but let me ask you something, because as I look at the standings, and I see teams like Carolina now falling a bit, and they had such a great start to the year. Uh, on the season now, they're 10, 7, and 1, so really 10 and 8, 21 points. But the fifth spot of the Metropolitan Division, I look at Tampa Bay, who's 8, 5, and 2. Really, that's 8 and 7. Um, when I look at a team like Buffalo, who came out soaring, and we should have known they did it last year as well, and then were the worst team in the league after their 10 game win streak. They're 9, 6, and 2, so that's 9 and 8. 
Um, you look at some of these teams in the West, and I look at a team like the San Jose Sharks, who was under hockey 500, 7, 10, and 1. That's really 7 and 11. Uh, let me ask you some of these teams, are they in real trouble? So let me give you a few. Let me start with uh, a team like Buffalo. Yeah, they're in real trouble because I'm not sure they had the goaltending anyhow. Mm-hmm. Uh, their defense is improved this year compared to last year, but not totally improved. Uh, Casey Middlestad hasn't scored in like 10 games. The offense has, has tailed off a bit. I, don't, I still don't think Olofsson has an even-strength goal. Yeah, so, that, that's a team to me that it wasn't sustainable. They just right. they got out of the gate with a jetpack on their ass, and it wasn't yep. sustainable. Right. But sh- but should we be worried about a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning? Well, I'm worried about them in the sense that I, I think they all know they should win the President's Trophy. I get it. And but the last place you want to be is amongst like six teams trying to get into the wild card spots at the end because then you could still be a pretty good team and get just you know nosed out because of the way other teams play and the loser point and all that tiebreakers so, and all that yeah so no Olafson let's see he's got seven goals so I don't think he's got an even strength goal yet wow um, so anyhow I think they tuned out John Cooper to a certain degree I felt like that happened last year and mm-hmm. I don't know if it's any different this year and so I think his job is in trouble if, if they don't go far this year because they've only got so many years with the amount of money they've spent on certain players before, like a Stamkos has to get traded or they have to start juggling things around like the Blackhawks did. So it's going to become critical for them soon to, to win a cup. Yeah, and the amazing thing about them is their goal differential is zero. They've scored 52 and they've given up 52. And that's a team who you go, well, they can score a lot and they have good defense and good goaltending. And when their goal differential is zero, that is a head scratcher. But scoring a lot, they're not doing. Fifty two is middle of the pack for this league. No, and they're only fifteen games in. You're absolutely right. right. Yeah, they play fewer games, so that's part of it. Yep, no, no doubt about it. Um, Pittsburgh without Crosby for the next game, and then we'll see if he comes back Friday against the New Jersey Devils. Um, they've suffered through some injuries. They got away with it for a while. They're not getting away with it now. Should Pittsburgh fans be worried? No, I don't think so. I think there's enough guys there that they know what the journey is, and they, this is a team that, for you know, from a lot of the season hasn't even had Crosby and Malkin in the same lineup together. But Bukestad that's happened for a before. period as well, and Bukestad for a period as well. That hasn't happened. That's happened before, rather. So I think they'll weather the storm. I, I still think they're good enough. Depends what Rutherford could do with them, too, at the stretch. But right now, yeah, I, I think they'll still make it. Yeah, here's what you know. Rutherford will do more than one thing. <laughs> He'll do several. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. an active GM, no question about it. All right, looking at the Western Conference, uh, so a couple of these teams are intriguing to me. It doesn't look like Buffalo's obviously going to play this year. That's a whole another story on its I mean, own. It's but still, the Winnipeg I Jets. You, it's still up in the air only because he had some sort of ankle procedure and now we're kind of wondering if we're in Jared Cowan territory where he and the Leafs disagreed on, you know, them saying, well, you're okay, and then him getting another opinion and then getting the elective surgery without the team. It seems like some of that's going on right now. So I don't know how it's going to end, but he hasn't said he's not coming back. So, like, until he says it, I, I don't think we could say he's not. Yeah, until he goes on the record, it's it's all hearsay. Yeah. Um, th- this may be a team that 
you should I don't know that you should be worried about making the playoffs. Maybe you should. But it's the Nashville Predators. They gave up a nine spot the other night. And they're nine five and three, so they're really they're nine and eight. Of seventeen games, they've won nine. They're in the third spot in the central, but is that a team that I, like that's a team I could see falling off. Well, they're falling off to a degree, but I do want to say, I looked it up, Victor Olsen has one even-strength goal. Just for that Sabres fan that might want to tweet me, now you can't. Um, the, the Nashville Predators are in that spot where I think they have to ride Pekka Rene now. They do have good centers, and they have an excellent defense. They're not getting much out of UC Soros either, and you remember I'm not a big fan to begin with. That's a problem, because this was a year where Rene bounced back nicely last year, but, but Soros sort of helped him. Because he had a good year. If UC Soros doesn't have a good year, then Laviolette down the stretch is going to have to rely on, what, a 35-year-old goalie. Yeah, like and if you overwork him, you're gonna, he's going to be gassed when you get to the playoffs. Yeah, but that may, may be exactly what's going to happen because right now that's the spot they're in. I mean, I'm looking up Soros, and, you know, it's interesting because in seven games he's got an 890 save percentage. He's only making a million five, but you're not even getting that kind of production out of him. So yeah, he might be a bargain, but I got to tell you, it's not. Sometimes worth you it. get what you pay for. Yeah, I mean, mm. he is. You know, he is sort of playing like a, a Ford Festiva. Yeah, <laughs> not good. Um, we're worried about the Dallas Stars. We agree on that, right? Nah, they're seven two and one in their last ten. I think, I think they may have started to figure it out. I'm not worried about the Dallas Stars. Okay. Yeah, I get that they've been good in their last 10 and they haven't played much better. But that start maybe says something to me about where they are with their character and their commitment. Well, look, Sagan's having a crap year, but you have to believe he'll come around. He's done it every yeah. year of his career. So I think... He also had his I, house destroyed in a tornado. He did. And, and that's a very great point by you because that is something where we expect these guys to just sort of be robots. But... For all we know, when he is not playing hockey or practicing, that's all he's doing is trying to help his family and field these questions and figure out where they're living and all these other things when you have pets. I could only imagine, because that would be happening with me not being a hockey player. So, yeah. you know, that, that is a fair point. And that may be a fair point for the, for, for the team, because as Tyler Sagan goes, the Dallas Stars go. Yeah, no question about it. Um, they are 8-2 eight, they are eight, eight and two now, Jace, which again... In the NHL is supposed to be good. Yeah, well, they're really eight and ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm hung up on this OTL thing today. Can't you tell? Yeah, um, I can tell. Which, which brings me right to my next team, the Calgary Flames. They played 20 games. They're 10, seven, and three. Oof. So they've they've won 10 hockey games and they've lost 10 hockey games. Now they're in the second spot in that division. They played more games than every team in the division, and they have 23 points. But is that? I mean, that's a team that had the second most points in the NHL last year. And right now, they're, in essence, through a quarter of the season, off to a 500 start. Goaltending. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going. I mean, but we, I don't know. I, I think I misjudged this one because I never saw Rich being the everyday goaltender and Talbot just being a backup. And that's what it seems like it is right now. And, and that sort of has surprised me. Yeah, and they've given up 58 goals through 20 games, so... Um, that's an interesting, only plus one in their goal differential as well. The Coyotes I mean, right but, now. But, but wait, Hunter, did you, did you expect that? When they got Talbot, didn't you think it, it would at least be either a straight tandem or him the starter? Um, I thought it was a tandem at best. I didn't, I don't believe in Riddich because I haven't seen flashes. I've seen some decent play out of him, 
but I've never seen it consistently out of him. And granted, I don't watch the Calgary Flames like every night, but no, no, I don't either. But Riddich has played sixteen games, sixteen of the twenty. Yeah, that's weird. I, I would think that he would that Talbot would have got a couple more starts in there. Now he's got a nine fourteen save percentage, which we all would could say is good. Yep. But obviously they're losing games in other ways. I mean, I haven't watched them in the last couple of weeks, so I don't know exactly why. But their goaltending tandem, whatever it is, could be better. Yeah. Um, let's stay in the Pacific real quick because there's two quick teams that I'm really falling out of favor with. And, well, one of them is obvious. It's San Jose, 7-10. I just don't think they're built correctly. But they're I, winning more lately. So Four, five, and one in the last ten. They've won three straight, but yeah. Well, that's the thing. Nobody wants to talk about that anymore because everybody just had them buried. It's very easy to bury a team, but they do still have a veteran team that maybe is figuring out how to hide the flaws of their bad goaltending, which it is bad. And maybe that's going to help push them around because maybe if they keep a few off the board, then Jones will start to rebound. So I don't know if they're a lost cause yet. I can't put them in that category. Yeah. I, I look at them and I go, okay, here's the reason. Their goaltending's bad, and it's developed bad habits because they're bad defensively. And right. I, I don't think Jones is great to begin with. No, no. But so we got to say, if they, product if they, of, yeah, those two together. If they have another good run, they might be able to do something. I mean, the differential says a lot at being minus 16, but that's also a lot of bad games at the start of the season. So I can't mm-hmm. fully bury them just yet. Um, and the other team is the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, so they're 9, 7, and 3. They played 19 games. But they're yeah. really, they in 19 games, they've won 9 and they've lost 10. And I think yeah. you got a problem here because I don't know that you can you can keep running Mark Andre Fleury out there. You have no depth at that position in goaltending, None. and Zero. he is not young. And, and I heard Kevin Woodley um, actually on with Boomer um, and talking about this. And Ke- Kevin Woodley, for those that don't know, is uh, the proprietor from Ingle Magazine. Does the Ingle Radio podcast? We're going to get him on. Um, I used to write and, for them. He he was my editor. Yeah, and he does a great job. And he, he says he he's not worried about Flurry because you'll take a you'll lessen his load a little bit in practices and it's really about shots seen and you can see in a practice you could see 300 shots so um, so they're trying to maintain him that way but I look at Vegas and since Mark Stone has gotten there they, and Boomer brought up this stat the other day 40 plus games there is in essence a 500 hockey club it's just not mixing is that Mark Stone's fault no no but anytime the mix changes there is a little bit of uh, you know, a change in the dynamic on a team, and right now it's not working for them. I mean, their blue line's not the best. We know that. Flurry's played 15 games, has won nine of them. So he's 9-4-1. and one. Even though he's got a 9-20, that's not the greatest record for a top-flight goalie. But mm-hmm. he's played 15 games, right? So if we cost this out, and we're almost through a quarter of the season... He is going to play at least 60, 65 games. He played 61 last year. It it could take its toll because last year's 61 was the most he had played since 2014-15. You could talk about the shots all you want, and I might argue a little with Kevin, which, you know, we used to go back and forth when he was my editor. Anyhow, uh, but as far as shots seen, right now he is at, let's see, 452. So... If I divide 15 into 452, you keep talking. We'll figure out what that is, but I don't think that's a good number. No. And yeah, I'm not a 
Kevin and I would fall on the same page on this. To me, it's not about volume. It's always about quality. Um, and when you look at a guy like John Gibson, who faces a ton of high-quality shots and still manages to put up the numbers he does, that's why I value him more than I'll value some guys. It's over that, 30 shots a game, though. That's way yeah. more than Vegas used to give up. Yeah. Is that about league average, though? Uh, I, I would say it's probably close, but they used to go under league average because, again, they weren't the highest-scoring team until they got a stone, and it definitely helped them. But, you know, how many goals for do they have? Uh, 56. That's... That's good, but you would expect better from them. Like Vancouver's got more, so uh, it's a it's a dual prong thing. Like even Calgary's got more. So you know, Colorado's got more. Nashville's got more. I mean, Nashville has more goals than yeah. yeah. So there's probably you know they're probably in the upper ten to twelve in goals somewhere like in that number ten or twelve. But it's not a great place to be because. I don't know if Mark Andre Fleury can keep this up. I really don't. Um, is there is there anything a player or two that are sticking out to you as huge disappointments so far? Well, let me think about that. But I do, by the way, I do still think you know Vegas can make the playoffs. I don't care that they're out of the picture this early. Huge disappointment. Uh, well, we can look at Tyson Barry in mm-hmm. in Toronto. He's got no goals, I think, and five points when I looked last. Yeah, and. The issue there is I think he's sort of getting like the Keith Yandel treatment when he went to the Rangers. It's like, hey, we know you're used to being on the top power play, but you're not going to be. And we know that you're used to being, you know, the guy with the most minutes, but you're not going to be. But we want you to be like a second pairing guy and play better defense, even though Tyson Barry doesn't really play good defense. And as a result, I think this is what you're getting. I mean, yes, he's an excellent puck mover but you're not really getting the most out of him. And it's possible that he is frustrated at this point because Mike Babcock has just put it, you know, square peg in a round hole just because he can skate and they're trying to, you know, get the most out of him on this one-year rental. That's a disappointment. Rush, your favorite part of the show is when we answer Twitter questions. Yes. So here we go. The first question comes from Jeff on Twitter, jblank2481. He tweets in and he says, what are the Flyers going to do with Ghost? Do you think they should move him? Does he have decent value in the market? And what can we get in return? Then what does that do for our defense line pairing? So there's a lot to unpack there. First right. of all, do you think that he is a guy that they're looking to move? I do think they're looking to move him. and I. But again, I think you, you would agree with me that they don't have enough defense to be able to sit him and say, all right, you know what, you could sit a while because we could plug this guy in and and maybe you'll see the game for the press box. Oh, well, that's never worked on Ghost. When he's done that, it's never worked. It works on some guys, but not him. No, so I think you have to just play him. And and honestly, I think you have to get a defenseman in return. So I think this is a part of a bigger package. I think you would have to do something like trade Ghost and Nolan Patrick. If you can get Patrick back and playing, I'm not even sure he's A.B.'s kind of player at this point. It's not being talked about, but I have to believe there's something more than just the migraines. So it doesn't seem like they're in a rush to put them back in, does it? No, no. no. And and I don't know what the health situation is. This whole thing has been um, kind of under, you know, cloak and dagger. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so if you if you trade Ghost and Walensky is your guy, you don't want to go the rest of the year with Walensky. I just watched him the other night. He's okay. Mm-hmm. But... But, but that's too much of a drop-off for me. 
Uh, I do like Chris Bigra. I wish at some point he'd get a chance, but right now he's hurt. So we'll see what happens with that. But I don't think they have enough to just simply trade him and get a forward. So I think if you trade him and Patrick, you could maybe get a defenseman with either some term or one that's going to be a UFA that you believe you could sign. It's going to have to... Yeah, it's maybe a team for that would be Toronto. You know, you look at you, you put Ghost in a package, and you're trying to get Kapanen in return. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to put, maybe you go Ghost in a prospect because Wait. of their situation up against the cap. Maybe, but you see, last year would have been the time because they could have gotten like Zaitsev in a deal like yeah, that. Nikita, and yeah, Nikita, and you know, and and so now you know, I don't think there's anybody defensively that the Leafs could even give up, even if you offer a prospect. But I'm sure if, if we look around the league, there's a team that could shed a defenseman and maybe even a younger defenseman because they, they've signed older guys. And at least, and if you have to throw in a prospect, even if it has to be that way, get a, a top-notch forward. That's the only way I'm throwing in a prospect is if I'm getting a top-notch forward and a better defenseman than Walensky down in the AHL. Because it's really... Can you think of anybody else that's going to walk into the lineup? I already, they already used the Myers card. I mean, Moren's gone. Yeah, I mean, Haig, but I mean, that's it. Yeah, and Haig's not. We know what anything. that is. Yeah. So, okay. Um, Steve tweets in, Steve Outlaw on Twitter. Oddly enough, his handle is MikeSavage610. Um, hmm. And he's Steve Outlaw. But anyway, uh, he says, other than play, just playing better, what change on the PP and PK from last year to this year? Was Lappy really that bad? No, um, I don't think... This is personnel, so. too. It is personnel. Uh, I think at times they've used, used... I think lately they're using Giroux the right way, which I think last year they didn't, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And they're, when you use him on that on that half wall, he's got the shot that you want him to use more. Right? Yeah, he's instead opened just, up. Yep, instead of just passing all the time. So I think I think you have that. I actually preferred the change when Provorov was at the point instead of Gostasphere simply because the puck tends to find the net when he shoots it, even if it has not much on it, whereas Gostasphere misses the net too much. Yeah. And but but that's a, a fluid situation. He's probably gonna keep messing with that until either Ghost does it right or he doesn't. How about uh, the PK? The, yeah, the PK is much better. Uh the PK is better. What Hayes plays the PK right? We've seen him yep. score a shorty. Lindblom, score a sh- yeah. Lindblom is probably there. I mean, Couturier because he has a little bit of a banged up shoulder. I'm not sure is providing the same kind of defense he has in the past. It's still good. I think Lindblom might be their best defensive forward though. And Giroux's still really good defensively too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no question about it. And then you, you couple that with some of those veterans on defense, guy like Niskanen, yes. who, who's going to be Yeah, Niskanen's been well. huge. Yeah. yeah, Niskanen's been huge. Yeah, you know, you know, a lot of people scoffed at that deal because they took, they retained some of the money from Radko Well, I, sco- I scoffed at it from the money end because, again, they, at the end of the day, they got three players. I'm not saying they weren't three that they needed, but then they put themselves right up against the cap. Yeah. And so it's, now, limited, it's limited their ability to do a few things this regular season, too. Right. So now at the trading deadline, you've got to match up salaries. So you may not be able to make a deal as easily as you could have a year ago. That's the only reason I didn't like that deal. Yeah. Yeah, no, no question about it. Because And, yeah, it, it leaves you a lot 
it doesn't leave you a lot of flexibility to take on more money than you're giving up. Right. Uh, w- which leads us to this question from Sean Jones. He says, do you see Jake Voracek moved before the deadline to free up cap space and a sp- roster spot for Morgan Frost? In your dreams, buddy. <laughs> well, somebody else asked, they said, "Is uh, let, me, let, me give, let me give him his credit here. Um, turned off your mind and relax on Twitter. Says, any chance another GM out of town is stupid enough to trade for 93? <laughs> See, I think yeah. in the right system, he, he flourishes. Sure, but I, I, I don't this think anybody it. would do that. Yeah. I, I think it seemed like Seattle would take him on, but I don't remember what his restrictions are contract-wise. He doesn't have he, I think he is a guy that will be available. Okay, so you know, you're probably going to see him unprotected. Have unprotected and then hoping that Seattle takes him or Fletcher might try to induce another trade, but that didn't work out very well, as we pointed out in the past for, for Minnesota. As far as Frost, I literally just saw him, and while he did score – an assist on five on three, and he got a an assist on the uh, overtime winner. He still needs more room on the ice. Like he 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 performs much better on the power play and in skill situations than than he does five on five. He simply just has to get stronger. And his and when he gets his lower body gets stronger, then he will have a more sustained burst. He gets these speed bursts, but they're not great for the NHL level. You know yep. what I mean? So he's mm. quick. He's quick, but it runs out quicker than you'd like. And so, and I've seen that. I saw that happen a few times that game. So I think you're playing with fire if you do bring him up because you want him to be a second line center. There is no second line center spot right now, and there probably won't be. And I don't think you want to force him into it. So I, I would give him at least most of the year in the AHL before I consider doing anything. Yeah, and because if an injury I, presents itself, that's an opportunity yeah. down the if line. If you were leading the AHL in scoring, that's fine. But, you know, give it a – just to flip side this, and I'm not saying that this guy has more upside than Frost because he doesn't, but he's a good player. You know, Jeremy Bracco is a really good player. He was leading the AHL in scoring last year and still couldn't get a sniff, you know, with Toronto. And right now this year, with the injury, still isn't getting a sniff, and he's putting up big numbers. So, you know, Frost – is putting up good numbers, point a game, but he's not like leading the league in scoring or dominant to the point where you say, "All right, look, this is special." He has not gotten there yet. Yeah, well, that you just answered, Ted, that guy on Twitter, one nineteen twenty. He answered his question as well because he was talking about uh, what he needs to clean up before he's NHL ready. But Greg tweets in, and this is right in your wheelhouse, Ross, because you're the man here. Who are right. some of the players in the Flyers system, AHL juniors, that uh, you're really excited about and are flying maybe under the radar? Like, where, where, how's Cam York and how has been? Yeah, Cam York. Cam York's really good. Um, Kaliniak, the uh, the kid in Wisconsin who runs their power play with Cole Caulfield, looks really good. I forget what's his first name. Wyatt? Is it Wyatt? Sounds right. Yeah. Um, I'm really, uh, I've been impressed with him. You know, York, it's interesting because when you think about Cam York, I know they probably have visions of him being a number one defenseman. And I don't think he's a one. I think he's a two or a three. And a PP. I, yeah, and, and a guaranteed power play guy. So I, I always want to pump the brakes a little on him because right now he's got four points in seven games. I want to look it up. But he's playing well. I don't think he is like a superstar offensive defenseman in the making. I think that's like important to point out just because we don't want it to get overhyped. Uh I do like I do like Bobby Brink. Bobby Brink is uh, having another good year. 
And, you know, right now it's seven points in 10 games at Denver, which is a really great program. So, so that's one where you keep them there two, three years, then you let him go to the AHL and prove himself. That could be a nice player. It was interesting the other night when I saw Vorobiev play, he was really pissed off. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that was interesting because I think he needed to be play that way because it was one of those things where he didn't cut it at the NHL level because I think he's a little obtuse as a as a person trying to learn. Yep. I think AB was trying to and this we've heard this about him with other coaches too, right? I think even Gordon. And and he can play. I mean, it's clear he can play the game and he's very skilled offensively, but maybe he just needs a fire lit under him and maybe that will will do something for him. You know, Yinning's been doing pretty good from what I from what I've heard. O'Brien's doing very well, but again, he took a step back to go to the BCHL. So the fact that he's more than a point a game there, he's got like 14 goals and 23 games that's great but and, and he isn't old he's 20 but right now at 20 in that league he's a little bit behind for me yeah now, only because he sort of went to a certain level and then sort of took a step back now you know conversely you know ronnie adder got picked at the age 20 because he was a late bloomer and i think he's actually doing better in a way because you know he's got five points in 10 games playing at western michigan four goals as a defenseman in college hockey in his first year, even though he's 20, I think that's a little more impressive. And I think it's just because the NCAA is a better league than the BCHL. Oh, I totally agree. It's just a higher so those are the guys brand of yeah, hockey. Was, yeah. yeah. So those, those are guys I'm, I'm tracking. Millman's good. There's, they, they have a nice system. Uh, like I brought up Wyatt Kaliniak at some point, we'll see if they sign him because he's from the previous regime. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So there's no ties to him. There's no ties to him, and and so that's something. And Tanner Lasinski, you know, same thing. Tanner Lasinski could become a free agent this year. Right now, he's got a point a game in Ohio State University. You're not going to hear about him until maybe playoff time, but he's a stud. Yeah. And I don't think he's a first or second line guy. I think he's a bottom six guy. But again... Drafted in 2016, what are they going to do with him? So that's, you know, this is this is the curse of having a good system is you lose some guys, sixth rounders, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders, you start doing really well, but then you can't sign them. Yeah, and they, or they don't or they don't want to sign with you yeah. because they don't, you know, he wants they to don't pick get his the position. opportunity. Yeah, he wants to pick where he goes, a better situation for him if, if he doesn't feel like it's here. Yeah. They, they don't care who drafts you anymore. Um, no. Je- two more. Jeff Cantone tweets in and says, who or what position would you target at the trade deadlines for the Flyers? Miss you on the radio. I miss you too, Jeff. Um, I mean, to me, depending how this defense kind of plays out for the Flyers, you could use maybe a veteran D if, especially if you decide obviously to move on from somebody like Casas Bear. Um, But again, to me, it's a scoring winger. Yeah. Scoring winger, veteran D, possibly a third line center. Yeah, pending, obviously, what happens with Nolan Patrick. Because I'm not bullish on Patrick all of a sudden coming back and, and being great this year. Maybe it's going to take another year. It's possible. We don't know mm-hmm. all that he's battling. But I'm just saying, I'm not calling the kid a bust or anything close to that because there's a lot of things I like about his game. But to count on him now, it's going to be hard to, I think. 
Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Tim tweets in, and he says, can the Flyers make a real run at getting to the Eastern Conference Finals this season? To me, it's just way too early to even have it's too early that conversation. That. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good start. You'll take it. It beats the alternative, but I'm not ready to go anywhere yeah. near that yet. We need to have like a two-minute drill here, though, for the for the loser point, because I don't think we got into that enough. All right, well, what's your thought on the loser point? What's your fix? Well, my, my problem my problem is now coaches try and ruin everything, right? And my point is they try and turn everything defensive. So initially, though, when they didn't quite know what to do with three-on-three overtime, it was very exciting. Teams went full bore, balls to the wall, skating as fast as they could. We all loved it. Now it's like coaches, when they see there's, I don't know, eight minutes left in the game, if they think it's got a chance of going into overtime, they want it to go to overtime, but now they're limiting shots in overtime. It's almost like the team who has the best line changes or takes the fewest chances does better in overtime. But a lot of times teams are now content to get through overtime and and flip the coin in, in the shootout. And so we're starting to see more shootouts. And this is all a function of the loser point and coaches constantly adjusting and just saying, well, you know, based on the way the standings is, it looks a lot better if I get that point that if I don't get any at all. And so, again, go to either a three-point win, put ties back, or go with the situation where, you know what? If the game goes into the overtime and the shootout, one team wins, one team loses. No loser point. Love it. Well said. Something. Even, I mean, something. Yeah. What do you think? I, 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 hate, you... I hate it as well because it changes the way teams play down the stretch. But I don't want to add another column that – you know, in a one-goal game, if you get, you know, I mean, it's like, geez, the, the standings are, you need a, you need a, a nuclear physics engine, you know, degree just to figure them out already. It's true. And then the tiebreakers and everything that comes along with it. Um, real quick, because we didn't get to Boomer, um, but let's yes. touch on what happened uh, at Sportsnet and Don Cherry uh, yes. being fired after uh, close to four decades doing Coach's Corner, and he's a legend in Canada and everything. And he makes the remarks uh, during Coach's Corner this past weekend regarding um, Remembrance Day in Canada or Veterans Day here and Canadians on Remembrance Day where uh, a poppy, you know, if people don't know what a poppy is, it's a, it's a Canadian flower that is a signature for Remembrance Day and remembering those who have fallen in combat. And Don Cherry went on a rant about it. And, and he, I think he used the two words, you people. And I think that's what yep. really got people incensed in Canada, um, you people basically saying that you enjoy the our way of life for the sacrifices that they made and you're not willing to wear a poppy. And, you know, obviously in our society today, the woke culture and everything else, people um, disseminated that as racist remarks and, uh, you know, towards immigrants and it cost him his job. Do you have any thoughts on, on the dismissal of run, uh, of, uh, of cherry and should it have been handled differently by Sportsnet? No, I, I think they handled it well. I, I think that apparently they've always gotten a lot of calls to their version of the FCC for different things. Cherry said over the years. So, you know, it could have been a lot of different things that he was going to get fired for. Right. But he pulls in advertisers and he's popular. So that, that was a thing. The, um, I was very disappointed with Ron McLean initially because even if we're doing a show together, Ron, Ron McLean had interjected many times and gotten Don Cherry to sort of change the path of what he was talking about in a good way. He said nothing. He just stayed clammed up. Now, at least his apology the next day was good. 
So I give him points for that. Yeah, he didn't say they were talking in my ear or I was on to the right. next thing, which can be the case a lot of times when you're doing a, a, a segment like that, especially one that's so condensed. Yes. You know, you do yes. have a producer in your ear, so you're not even yep. hearing what the answer is of the person you asked a lot of times. You're on to the next that's element. True. No, that's true, and, and that's fair because it is sort of like a rapid fire. Uh, as far as Cherry, it's interesting because I you know, brought up on Twitter today and Tara Sloan of – Hockey Night in Canada wrote something initially about having some uh, some family in, in in Europe in World War II hiding from the Nazis during the Holocaust in Poland. I don't know exactly what my great-grandmother was doing, but it was before World War II. It was right around World War I times, and she fled Russia to come here, and then, you know, my family was started, so I was glad she did it. I never asked her the, the reasons, but I can't imagine it was good, right? So with the anti-Semitism that was going on, and unfortunately still goes on today, so I think it's easy if you're like a white male or white female, if you were upset or didn't want to see Don Cherry go because you'd watched him your whole life. Uh, there are so many people that are immigrants that, you know, love the sport, love being Canadians, identified with everything until Don Cherry said that, those words, you people, and then realized, oh, he's singling me out now. Yep. Because how would you know, again, a poppy could fall off when you walk down to the street, down the street, right? They're crappy pins. I put them on when I've been in Canada during that week and they could fall off. So other than a poppy falling off, how would you know if you're one of those people that don't wear a poppy? Well, the answer is simple, right? Somebody who doesn't look like you. Yeah, no, no, it's a great point. It's and a great I think point. that's where he ran into trouble. Well, you can never you can never paint with a broad brush. That's right. That, that's the also the other lesson that you just can't ever do that. So, uh, I don't know how Grapes' uh, career will be remembered, but uh, this certainly will be a stain on the end of it. And we'll see if we'll see if somebody like TSN picks him up. I mean, he is an eighty five year old man. He says eighty five year old things. Grew up in a different era in this uh, in this world, but um, there is a team uh, in the KHL, and I forget who it was that said that. They would be happy to have Don Cherry call their games. And then somebody tweeted, and I forget her name, but she was like, well, how, how would they feel on the broadcast when Don Cherry says, you got to get rid of all these Russians because yes. he's always anti-Russian, <laughs> which I felt I, I thought was very funny to post because maybe it's like, you know, that team is just trying to get some press. But if you've ever listened to Don Cherry, I don't think he's going to want to call a Russian game. Yeah, yeah, and he's certainly not going to want to go over there. Uh, no. Yeah, Don's got a lot of money. He'll be fine, and uh, we'll see yeah. if, if anything does play out for him. But uh, he did say he would not walk the comments back. He knew what he was saying. And uh, Oh, that, yeah, no, he wouldn't. He was yeah. on Sirius today. Yeah, he, he, uh, he had the opportunity to apologize. He decided not to. He paid the price. Like, And he knows he paid the price, and he wants to be that way. That's fine. But Don Cherry, you know, needs to look in the mirror. That's what John Cherry needs to do. Yeah, but he well probably said. won't. No, he probably will not. Well, Russ, that's going to put a wrap on officially. It's episode 59, by the way. So that There's a lot of debate about that. Yeah, last there time. seems to be. <laughs> well, because why is there an episode zero? What the hell is that? I don't know. That's where it started at some point. And this is episode 59. And I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll bring you one in about 12 to 14 hours. <laughs> Uh, everybody, enjoy your hockey the next couple of days. We'll talk to you next time on the Stick to Hockey Podcast. Breathe, trust, bless.